a quick word from our sponsor. Wait, that's me. I know I have a lot of podcast episodes for you to get through, and it can be really, really overwhelming to try and figure out where to start or to comb through which ones might be uh, appropriate for you, whether you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or you're already on the other side of the divorce process. Like, how do you know what to listen to? I have solved the problem for you. All you have to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist. Answer a few short questions, and I will send you a curated list of podcast episodes to best support you as you navigate these tricky waters. I'll also help you identify where you currently stand on this journey and what's ahead with resources to help you move through this process with knowledge and grace. So all you need to do is go to kateanthony.com slash playlist, answer a few short questions, and you will have your curated list of podcast episodes that will support you wherever you are in your journey. Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your divorce survival guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. everyone. It's been a while since I've done a solo episode, so here I am. I've been working on something for a while, and it's finally ready for me to tell you about it. (laughs) Making it sound so secretive and exciting. Um, It is exciting, actually. This is what I am uh, calling, uh, it's, it's a roadmap. It's a divorce roadmap. And after over 10 years of doing this work and of watching thousands of women go through this process, being intimately involved in hundreds of women's divorce processes from should I stay or should I go to the, you know, the other being on the other side, I've gotten to a point where I can sort of predictably sort of estimated where you are in this process and then like what that means for you and what that means moving forward, right? Like where you've come from, where you are now and where you're going. If you're in my Facebook group, you'll see very often someone will post, you know, every day, multiple times a day, someone will post something and they'll say, you know, I don't, I I don't know what to do about this. And and I always say like, oh yes, that's this stage or that's, that's, um, I have a podcast episode on this or yes, that's totally normal. Everybody goes through that. Right. And because it's your first time and because you have, you probably haven't seen thousands of women going through this. I mean, if you've been in my Facebook group for a while, you're probably starting to get, get the hang of this, but Because this is your life and your experience, you don't have that objective view of what's happening and where you're going and where you're at on this in this process. And so that's why I created this roadmap. I created this roadmap so that you can 
pinpoint yourself on the map. You can kind of drop a pin and go, oh, okay, that's where I am. And then know where you're going. And I also, of course, can provide all of the resources that you need based on where you are in this uh, journey and in this process. So that's what this roadmap is for. I'm calling it the stages of divorce you'll predictive, predictably go through as outlined by one of the world's top experts based on over a decade of research and experience. <laughs> so, And there is a visual for this that you can download. It's in the show notes, and I will be emailing it to you. It's going to be on my website. It's It, it will be everywhere. By the time this episode goes live, uh, you will have all of the uh, resources and opportunities to download this for yourself. But I just want to talk through it for a little bit um, in this episode. So the first stage, I've broken this down into three stages. They are awareness, action, and moving on. And within each stage, there are approximately six phases, right? Or stops on the path. So I'm going to talk through each one. I will go into as much detail as necessary to um, sort of help you understand uh, each of these phases. So, all right, the first stage is awareness. This is when you're kind of starting to think, wait a minute, is something, something's really not right here. The first stage, the first phase, if you will, of awareness is questioning, right? So remember, each stage has six phases. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up, maybe come up with better words for that. But anyway, stage one, awareness. Phase one, and again, this is not linear, right? But this is pretty much the, the roadmap as I've, as I've seen it. So the first phase in the awareness stage is questioning. So you're starting to wonder if this is what marriage really is, uh, or if there's actually something wrong with your marriage, right? You know you're not happy. You think maybe it's your fault if you just tried harder or you did more of what they're asking. Maybe things would be better. Maybe there's another therapist, a modality, a workshop. You're also kind of starting to begin to feel resentful that you're the only one that's looking up all these things. Are, you know, is your partner actually just happy for life to continue this way? <laughs> yes, usually. And how can that be the case when you are so miserable? So is this just what women go through in relationships? And what about for your, your kids? Is it worse for them to live like this or go through a divorce? You can't figure out if you're more scared to stay or more scared to go. So this is all the questions, right? These are all the questionings that are floating through your head. Phase two is the dawning realization. And in this dawning realization, you're starting to realize that no matter what you do, it's not getting any better. You realize that you seem to be the only one committed to doing any work to make this marriage work. It occurs to you that maybe you're the one who's unhappy because you're the one putting in all the work while your partner is reaping all of the benefits. And it's starting to feel like there's a major imbalance and that this marriage might be in real trouble because maybe it's not all your fault after all. 
right? Maybe your partner actually has some, you know, culpability here and then, but they're not doing anything about it. And then in the dawning realization phase, you also might be learning about various forms of abuse and coercive control and possibly starting to realize that there are some major problems that are playing out in your marriage and that if they don't get resolved, you may have no choice but to leave. But the idea of that is terrifying, right? Because that's not what you want at all. But you're starting to feel pushed into this corner. So that's the dawning realization phase. Phase three in the awareness stage is begging and bargaining. So now you're starting to see all this stuff from the dawning realization stage and your phase and you bring it all to your partner. You bring all of your thoughts and feelings to your partner, hoping that they'll understand how much trouble this marriage is in. Surely, if they know how much pain you're in, they'll want to make changes, right? So you beg them to go to therapy with you. You buy some books for them to read. You leave them on their nightstand. So just so that they can understand what you're talking about. And you explain that what you're experiencing is abuse, right? I think that you are emotionally abusing me. I think that what this is, what's going on is financial abuse. And you think that surely if they know that they're abusing you, they're, they'll stop because who wants to abuse? And you think you're being really clear. You're crying, you're begging. So surely they will make the changes now. How can they not? You are so desperate to save this marriage and you lay it all out on the table. You're literally begging them to change. And they seem to understand and they promise to make some changes and you're hopeful. So that's the begging and bargaining phase. Phase four in the awareness stage is anger because it has been a couple of months since your begging and bargaining conversation and nothing has changed. Or if it did change, it changed briefly and then it went back. So at first you think maybe you're not clear enough, right? Maybe you weren't clear enough in your begging and bargaining conversations, but then you go over it, over it, and over it, and over it, and mm, you're pretty sure that you were clear. And you were clear enough that they did really well for a couple of weeks, But just as quickly, things have gone right back to where they were. So no therapy appointments have been made. But if you have gone, they really haven't taken responsibility. And you kind of feel like therapy has maybe even made things worse. They seemed genuine in their desire to make changes. But yet, nothing is really happening. How can they not care enough about you to make things better? You've read about this happening. You've probably heard me talk about it all the time, but you really just didn't think that this could happen to you. And now you're starting to get pissed. You are furious that you put in all of this work while they're just kind of going about their life like nothing is wrong. Again, they're reaping all of the rewards of this partnership while you are suffering and the rage begins to build in you. And the next phase is grief and despair. So it's clear that your partner isn't interested in working on this marriage. And it's even more clear that in the face of this, there's only one choice you can possibly make. And the weight of this realization is crushing. 
Your heart is broken. This marriage isn't at all what you thought it was. And how did you get here? How could this have happened? What did you miss? How could you have been so blind? How could you have done this to your kids? How could they have pushed you to this point? Not your kids, your partner. How can your partner not love you the way that you thought they did? Was it all a sham? Don't you matter? Are you really that unlovable? How is this your life? And how will you ever recover? How will you live? How will your kids survive this? The despair is overwhelming as you face an uncertain future. Here's where phase four and phase five, I think, go back and forth, back and forth. You're going to be enraged, and then you're going to go into grief and despair, and then you'll go back to rage, and then back to grief and despair until finally you land on phase six, which is acceptance. And after hours of conversation and deep personal work on your part, it's becoming abundantly clear that this isn't going to work. Whether there's been abuse or just two people with differing values who can't seem to make things gel, you've come to this decision that you need to move on from this marriage and create a new and better life for yourself and your kids. You still may have some anger and grief, and you will have that probably for a very long time. But those feelings are no longer dominating your life. In the acceptance phase, you have a sense of clarity and maybe even peace. You know that you've done everything you possibly can do to make this work, and you are clear that that one person cannot carry all of that on their own. And you're sad, and you're scared, but you also know that it's time to do something about this once and for all. So that completes the awareness stage. And then we move into the action stage. And the first phase in the action stage is having the talk. You know, it's time, right? Once you've come to full acceptance, it's time for you to have the most difficult conversation of your life. And you hope to God it goes well. (laughs) You're scared of their reaction. And if you've had this conversation a million times before, you're scared that you'll be talked out of it once again. You need strength, clarity, and maybe even some luck to keep you moving forward. A script would be really great, which you know that I have by the way. (laughs) And once you've had the conversation, you're shocked by their reaction. Suddenly they're doing everything you've ever asked of them. And this is really confusing. So now they want to go to therapy. After a few days and weeks of holding your ground, you start to see some cracks in their armor. Maybe they're getting mad that their good deeds haven't swayed you. Maybe they're crying and begging you to change your mind, or maybe they're just acting like none of this ever happened, right? If they just ignore it for long enough, maybe it'll all just go away. Whatever their reaction, you may go back and forth, right? You may end up back in the questioning, in in the awareness stage, back into questioning, right? Because maybe they are doing everything. Maybe it does feel like, oh, oh, okay, now they finally get it. And as I always say, if you have one ounce of a fuck left to give, you're going to go back into the questioning stage. You're going to start to watch what they're doing. The likelihood is, and as I've said, I've seen this enough to be able to predict this, the likelihood is that you will end up back here. And then you will become clear 
that there's no going backwards. At that point, you will have hit the end of your rope. And once you've hit the end of your rope, there is no more rope, right? And so you may go back into the awareness stage. You may go through all of those phases again, and then you may end up right here again because holy shit, they still didn't actually do anything. They didn't actually go to therapy. They didn't actually make any of the changes that you've been requesting. So then you have the talk one more time, and at that point, you're clear and you're done. And that brings us to phase two of the action stage. So the next big move, right, this is making big decisions. These are all the big decisions that have to be made, which are not to be made during the talk. Um, And the next big move is probably telling your kids, but there are some big decisions that have to be made before you can tell them. You're probably not ready to make all of the super big legal and financial decisions just yet, but there are some things that need to be sorted out in the interim. Are you going to live together while separated for a time? Are you going to nest? Is someone going to move out? You don't even know what the divorce laws are in your state, and you worry that if you move, you might lose claim to your house. There's something called abandonment of property. What, you know, what about, you know, what does that mean? And does that apply to me? What about temporary support? Right? We're, we're not ready to make these huge legal and financial decisions, but we also can't quite figure out how to make even the smallest decision without there being some legal or financial impact. So this feels like a, uh, like a chicken and an egg kind of phase. And it's really super confusing. And all you want to do is not fuck up your kids throughout this. But you're also starting to get super overwhelmed already, right? So that's that's this making big decisions, but also it's like all the questions that start to come up in this phase. And, and you start to make lists of all of the things that you need to find out. And it's getting, it's a little overwhelming. And you start to research and you have a consultation with an attorney in this place. You're having difficult conversations. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Whenever I hear about a protective mom struggling to co-parent with an ex whose alcohol misuse endangers the child, I always recommend Soberlink. If you've been listening for a while, you know how much I love Soberlink. For those of you who are new, welcome and listen up. Soberlink is an alcohol monitoring system that is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide concrete proof that they're not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink uses facial recognition, and it's the only alcohol monitoring system that analyzes and approves or declines identity in real time, meaning that you'll be immediately notified if your co-parent attempts to have someone else use the device. Soberlink also has some of the most high-tech tamper-resistant features on the market, which prevents tampering with the device itself or trying to use alternate air sources like a balloon or an air pump. So basically, any way someone can think of to cheat the system, Soberlink can catch. If someone tests positive for alcohol, Soberlink requires additional tests to confirm the non-compliant results. If a positive test happens, the system's retest cycle begins, allowing the co-parent to retest every 15 minutes, up to six times. Upon request from their in-house compliance department, a drinking evaluation is delivered to you to confirm the non-compliant result. 
Soberlink has two programs. There's a parenting time only program, and then there's a daily testing program. Both programs operate using scheduled testing. So for example, a testing schedule might be that you ask the co-parent to test before their parenting time and then during parenting time. And this helps you feel confident that your co-parent is parenting sober. And if there is a positive test result, you can write into your agreement that parenting time will be reevaluated. Soberlink's reports are admissible in court. And in fact, Soberlink is recommended by courts in all 50 states and in Canada. If you have any concerns about your child's safety while with the other parent, there is no better way than Soberlink to put your mind at ease. For an exclusive $50 off of your device and to download the resource I created with Soberlink, Checklist for a High Conflict Divorce, visit www.soberlink.com DSG. And now back to our show. The next phase then, once you've hammered out certain things. If you have my guide, how to not fuck up your kids, you kind of have a sense of how this goes and of the various things that you're going to have to have hammered out before you have the conversation with your children. If you don't have that guide, now is a very good time to grab it. It's $27 and it will walk you through everything you need to know about how to now get into. So about it's essentially covers phase phases two and three in the action stage. So the next stage, the next phase is having this conversation with your kids. So it's time to tell them what's happening. And you feel like you're on, you're like, you're going to break them, right? You're literally like, I'm about to break my children. And you feel like you're about to create a fracture that will forever define their lives as before and after. And you want to do this conversation right. You might be scared that your soon-to-be ex is not going to get on board to do this in the way that you've read about or heard about from me. Um, And it seems like you're the one doing all the research yet again on how to do this whole thing, and your soon-to-be ex is just kind of winging it and possibly undermining all your hard work. So the most important thing in this is to present a united front. But your soon-to-be ex may think it's important that your kids know the truth and whose decision this really was. And you just want to be responsible. You want to be a responsible and collaborative co-parenting team, but you're kind of worried that your soon-to-be ex is going to screw up this whole process. So you need guidance and a support system through all of this and maybe a magic wand to make it all be done and over with so that you don't actually have to go through it. So that's the conversation with the kids. Phase four in the action stage is backsliding. You've talked to your kids. You've talked to your partner. And the guilt and shame is starting to surface. Maybe you feel guilty for doing this to them, to your kids. Uh, Maybe you also feel really guilty for leaving it for so long. Uh, If you have older kids, you may be wondering if this would have been easier when they were little. And you're also feeling really guilty about the damage that your toxic marriage may have done them. Uh, If your kids are little, the guilt of trying to explain why without getting into detail that they can't possibly understand is really weighing on you. There's a lot of crying and you may feel like you're backsliding on all the emotional progress you've made. You know, you start to think maybe you should call it quits. Maybe just not do this. Uh, Maybe you should just suffer through right? People do that all the time. They live separate lives. They stay married. Deep down, you know, that's probably a terrible idea. But right now, all of this really feels 
awful. It sucks. And so in the backsliding phase, you're sort of slip sliding around the guilt and the shame. That again is going to not be linear, right? That's going to be probably woven through a bunch of the other phases. The next phase in the action stage is living together while separated, which most people end up having to do. Your sort of emotional state through this is, oh my God, how am I ever going to make it through this? You are still living together while you sort through all of the mess of disentangling an entire life. And some days it's fine, but there are days that you want to tear their face off. You, they're still not contributing to the household or the kids' activities. They don't open school emails and they still seem to feel like, and you still uh, feel like all the parenting falls on you. They're sulking in the basement all the time. They're barely engaging. Or they're acting like parent of the fucking year. And pardon you while you roll your eyes into the back of your head. Someday you feel like you guys can do this co-parenting thing really well. And then some days you are like off to the races with your old patterns and you wonder if this will ever end. And you need to start figuring things out soon because this living together separated thing is clearly only a temporary fix. So then we're going to move into the legal and financial stuff, right? This is the sixth and final stage uh, phase of the action stage. Legal and financial. So you've had a consultation with an attorney. You're ready to kick things off. Um, should you file? Should you have them serve? Do you need to tell them that this is happening? What about mediation? Should you try that? Is mediation with an abuser the same thing as therapy with an abuser? But if we don't mediate, are we going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a nasty litigation? And what about the kids? Maybe he stopped depositing checks into the joint account. What are you supposed to do now? How can you pay the bills? Is this even legal? And if you're a stay-at-home mom, who pays the legal fees? How are you supposed to hire an attorney if you have no income? And what are how are you going to afford to move if you don't have any support agreement in place? You have no idea how much money you're actually going to be having getting every month. It feels totally overwhelming and like you'll never get out from under it. And if someone should, could just give you a step-by-step guide on how this works, that would be awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of the place that you're at with the legal and financial. Um, by the way, that step-by-step guide is uh, the Divorce Survival Program. FYI. Essentially, the Divorce Survival Program takes you all the way through the action stage, and Should I Stay or Should I Go takes you all the way through the awareness stage, in case you hadn't figured that out. So now we're moving into stage three, moving on. And in moving on, we have, again, six phases, the first of which is co-parenting. So now you've kind of gotten through all of the hard stuff. You've gotten the basics of the divorce logistics worked out. Uh, It's probably a work in progress and you've settled into that. And your life is starting to feel like it's your own again. Even though the divorce is still pending or being negotiated, it's still now sort of you've metabolized it as part of your life. And the emotional heat is starting to die down. It's on a low simmer, maybe. And you're now trying to figure out how to continue to negotiate daily life with children, with the person you're divorcing, which can be really challenging, even on the best of days. But 
you know, you seem to be at odds in terms of parenting styles a lot. And sometimes it even feels as if they're deliberately doing things to get a rise out of you. Uh, You still feel like you're the only responsible parent sometimes, and you're trying not to let it completely turn your life upside down. But you're navigating this co-parenting journey through divorce as you move forward. Which brings us to phase two, which is dating, right? So maybe now you start to feel like you're ready to start dating again. The divorce is sort of happening. Life has settled down. You kind of have your schedule set. Finances are kind of set somewhat, right? So maybe it's time to start dating, but oh my God, you have no idea what this means at this stage of your life. Are you even allowed to date yet? Is it considered adultery, even if you're not living together and your divorce, but your divorce is pending? You're pretty sure you're not ready for a new relationship, but sex would be nice or just companionship. And sure, if the right person came along, you would totally entertain it. But I mean, how does this work with kids? You don't really want anyone new coming near your kids let alone your ex's new partner, right? If you do it, then like they get to do it too. And wait a minute, why is he in a relationship again so quickly? Anyway, like this is, this is a really confusing time and you don't want to get it wrong, but you also don't, you kind of want to go out and have some fun and maybe start to feel a little better about yourself. But you know, first you might have to get out of your pajamas. (laughs) So dating, right? All of the confusions and phase three is perhaps concurrent, perhaps comes later, right? This is, this is like an optional, um, which is single by choice, right? And you feel like your life is pretty great. And anyone who comes into it is going to have to be extra spectacular. And you're not entirely sure that that exists these days. You've kind of been burned enough and you might feel like you want to enjoy the single life for as long as you can. So that if someone does come along, there's a high bar they're going to have to reach for entry, right? So you've got solo travel, galantines, trips with friends. All of that sounds pretty great. And if someone new came along, you might be happy. But, you know, it's not the focus of your life right now. Right now, your focus is on you and you alone. And that feels pretty damn great because it's been a long-ass time. You might be slightly concerned that being alone for too long might get you too far out of the game, but for now, you're learning how to just be with you, and that's pretty fucking great. So phase four in moving on is your first relationship. Oh my God, right? You've met someone and you're starting to catch feelings. You're excited and you're also scared shitless. You haven't been vulnerable with someone in a long time, and this might feel really natural and great, but you're also cautious because you've been burned before, but then you also don't want to be avoidant, right? So how does this work? They seem amazing, and you're really excited, uh, and you don't want to fuck it up, but also you want to do it right. How do you know? that you won't be bringing your past shit into this relationship? How do you trust again after all the betrayal? How do you know if this person is really all you feel like they could be? How do you know you've done enough work on yourself to not be making the same mistakes you made before? You don't want to overthink it, but this is scary and you want to get it right. Eventually, you may settle into the relationship. Eventually, it, you may recognize that like, ooh, this isn't, this isn't right. But all of that will happen within this phase of being in your first relationship. 
Phase five of the moving on stage is your first heartbreak. And I hate to tell you, uh, it happens. It happens to all of us. And it sucks because you really thought you'd met the one, right? But now it's fallen apart and you are gutted. You really thought that you'd chosen well this time, but apparently not. And your heart is broken in a way that you didn't even feel when your marriage broke down. This feels like your first heartbreak. This feels like high school stuff. How could this have happened again? What did you do wrong? Is your picker really that broken? How will you ever heal or date again? Maybe you should just be single forever and stop imagining some happily ever after. Maybe that's just for other people. You can't imagine a life alone, but you also can't imagine being vulnerable again or experiencing this kind of heartbreak again. Your kids are also devastated and you're kicking yourself for introducing them to someone who ended up hurting all of you. There's gotta be a better way, but right now you are just too devastated to even think about trying again. And my love, I just want you to know that if this happens to you, you will get through it. You will pick yourself up. You've gone through worse. I know that this isn't something that you want to hear about at this particular stage, wherever you're at in the journey, this is sort of, you know, at the this is sort of coming up to the tail end and you're like, wait a minute, I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> don't tell me that's coming. Better prepared, better, you know, forewarned is forearmed, right? It happens. Heartbreak happens to all of us multiple times in our lives and it's devastating, but let me tell you, it will not kill you. It will not kill you. So phase six in moving on may or may not be for you family blending. So maybe you've met someone and you're taking it really slowly and your relationship has grown in healthy ways over time and you're ready to move on to next steps. But now there's this whole host of new things to think about. Are you going to move in together? Are you blending families? What does that even look like? Do you have to be responsible for their kids? And are they responsible for yours? What if you don't like the way they parent? What if you don't really like their kids? Can you afford a big enough house? What if their ex is really mean to you or somehow tries to get in the way of your relationship with their kids? Are your new partner and their ex too close? Is this a good thing or a red flag? How do you merge parenting time in a way that gives you both freedom and also time with your kids? Are you going to have all the kids at the same time and then no kids? Or are you going to have solo time with each of your kids and therefore you're always having kids? So many questions, so much to think about. It's an exciting and scary time. You are up for the challenge and there are definitely resources out there to help you. As you can see, that's sort of the end of my roadmap. Um, I take you from you know, questioning this horror all the way through, like, you know, happily ever after. And it doesn't end that way for everybody. Listen, I'm still moving on. I am, I have gone through my first relationship, my first heartbreak, even considering family blending. And I am back at phase three, single by choice for a variety of reasons. So again, not linear, but if you have found yourself Somewhere along this map, if you have plotted yourself on this map and you have said, oh, oh, that's me, that's me, I have resources for every single phase and every stage. You know, whether it's a podcast episode, it's a blog post, right? I have resources for all of it. 
And I will be in the next, in the coming weeks, like I said, rolling this out more. I will be emailing you information about it. If there's stuff in here, if there's a, if there's a, a, a phase that you feel like I missed that you've seen a lot of, or you've experienced, I want to know about it because I do want to keep making sure that this is really comprehensive. So by all means, let me know. And I really hope that you found this useful. I want you to download it. I want you to keep it. I want you to avail yourself of every resource that is attached to each stage and phase. So I think that's all I'm going to say about it for now. I love and adore you. And I hope you are healthy and happy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.